Moving Iron Podcast is proud to be part of the Global Ag Network. The network is live, so check out globalagnetwork.com for more details and updates. Now on to the show. Moving Iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving Iron time and time again. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 129. And uh, it's been a little bit since we've done this, but I got the band back together. I got Aaron Fennel and Regina Nardis on here with me, so it's uh, good to have you guys back on. You bet. Oh, yeah. Good times. Aaron, you got a windmill coming right at you. I know. Okay. I know. I can hear it if it gets too close. Okay. You guys, uh, you pumping water back there? You making electricity? What are yeah. You yeah. Pumping water. Mm. Outstanding. Good times. Good we times. don't have enough of it in all the ditches, so. You pumping water out of your house with it, or are you pumping water out of the ditch, or what are you, what are you doing? So I know you're not pump, like, needing to irrigate anything with it, so it's, uh. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So, what is new and exciting in the world of Regina Nargis? Oh, boy, that's a loaded question, Casey. <laughs> um, I don't know. We got a lot of stuff going on. Um, winter is maybe kind of nearing the end, although I hear there's more chances of winter rearing its ugly head again here mm-hmm. next week. Um, but just keep them busy with work and things on the farm and calves and we're getting ready to brand so that's a big topic here um in the near future and all the same things that we always do talk about that so we got the blizzard come through here and you know where you were at specifically didn't get a ton of snow but yeah you know there's been a lot of cattle loss across nebraska whether it's the flooding out east or or the uh, the other the other part of nebraska that people forget about the western part um they they, there was a giant blizzard came through here and there's a lot of cattle loss out there so since you're in the cattle industry what have you heard about that and kind of where's that how's that playing out um yeah so there's a lot of different stories out there um right now i think there's a lot of people that have shared maybe on social media that million dollar number of cattle, which is completely not true um, because they're still counting losses. There's still producers trying to even figure out where they're at with their herds. Um, You know, so it's really just a lot of unknown as to what everybody has gone through. Um, But gosh, those stories that I hear from local producers are just heart wrenching. You know, you, hear the stories of the guys in the floods that have literally watched their cattle wash away and you know they tried all they could but the water just came up so fast they had no choice you know or they didn't have any options to get them out um or even i've heard of some producers here in western nebraska with the with the blizzards and stuff they um built up bunkers with hay and um you know some of that came down and crushed some cattle. So, um, you know, mother nature can really just not be very nice sometimes. Um, and you know, you try and prepare for the best that you can. And, you know, sometimes luck is on your side and just sometimes it isn't. Um, 
you know, here on our operation, we didn't get near as much snow as what they were calling for. We probably had eight inches or so. Um, and we were very fortunate to not have any death loss because of that. So um, we were very lucky. And, you know, it was a lot of days of preparation for the storm. And um, we, you know, our, I guess our preparations paid off and we were lucky to to not have any loss during that time. But yeah. it was definitely a wild few days. Yeah, it was. It was a, it was a, the amount of, especially up north of, of Scotts Bluff up here, where, up here where I'm at, there is a, uh, the, we got, the, you know, the further north you went, the more snow you got. And here in Scotts Bluff, I bet we got, I don't know, 18 inches of snow. And I, I know mm-hmm. they got probably six more or eight more inches of snow the further north you went. And some of those roads had, 12 and 15 foot snow drifts across them and they had to yeah. get dozers out there to just cut roads to get out and some of that stuff so on that and Aaron would have been in that in that whole gigantic snowmageddon thing up there in the line so how did your how did your sheep fare I know they're hair sheep and not wool sheep so I'm sure they got cold but without having <coughs> a wool, wool sweater on but how how'd that work out and what'd you see up there for that they they actually don't <coughs> they don't get any Colder than wool sheep. So. Oh, okay. I didn't. I just figured. Their, their, their hair's pretty thick, okay. so there goes that. I got you. They, uh, we, you know, knowing it was coming, kind of like Gina's operation, we did a lot of preparations for it and did the best we could and crossed our fingers. And I was, when that was going down, just sitting here in the house thinking, well, I was going to be happy if it was 25% or less loss in the herd. And by the time it was all said and done and everything melted away, because that night I got, well, I mean, once everything melted away, we lost two ewes and I think six lambs. But it was all, time was all said and done. And with sheep, hell, that could be an 80 degree day. So we were, we were pretty, pretty blessed as far as that goes. Um, the day after, and and we also one thing that helped is we uh, the farm's eleven miles from the house, and we went over there when we were the only person on the road to do. I went and fed them. They each get a pound ahead a day of corn, and I stretched that as long as I could that we could get there and back. So they were full of energy for the ass kicking that we got, and that made a big difference. So that helped a lot. Um, the next day I got our place all cleaned up home place with the skid loader and trying to get a half a mile to the paved County road. I got my pickup stuck. I got our skid loader stuck and the neighbor got his 8,300 with a dozer stuck and the County, they were, they always opened the paved road, paved County roads first. They opened our road which is six miles of paved road till we get to the highway on the edge of town they got that all opened up and saw our small dealership stuck in a snowdrift <laughs> and they came through with three road graders to pull that 8300 out and we had before he got that stuck he had actually got my pickup unstuck but i still couldn't get through so i'm over there jumping up and down waving my arms because they had, they had all three of them graders were going to leave because it was 6.30 at night. And one guy turned around and lowered his plow, and on his fifth bust through the drift, he got through, and I hauled ass to the farm and 
move snow out of the well the driveway was blown shut first of all so walk over snow drifts and all that jazz and i got out of there about midnight and rescued the rescued the last the last group of ewes at about 11 30 and all was all was good. Yeah, I didn't have anything like that happen in my house. I just watched it snow. <laughs> right. I had a snowblower and got after it. That was about it. So <clears throat> good times. My my dog was inside. You know, so. I did find out why Tyson is always reluctant to let me or teach me exactly how to use the skid steer fully. Mm-hmm. That way then I get the chance to use the scoop shovel. And scoop that box. <laughs> well, yeah. he gets to sit in the skid steer, you know, with the cab and heat and mm-hmm. scoop off aprons and clearer paths. So, yeah. Brandy, yeah. Comments on that. Brandy comments on that all the time, too, when she's out there and the snow's flying and it's below zero and I'm in the skiller going, damn it, it's hot in here. I got to turn the heat down. <laughs> I did bring an extra pair of gloves, Lloyd. It is it is the Rocky Mountains. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Um, now let's let's talk about what we normally talk about when we get on here: the equipment marketplace. Gino. Yeah. You're now a marketing executive, and you're 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 big time now in, in deep into marketing. What do you see happening out there uh, as far as uh, as stuff on social media goes, and, and what do you see some some different things happening out there as far as equipment goes? Um, You know, on the social media front, I think um, I'm seeing a big push in different folks getting a lot of activity over videos. Um, You know, I I see a lot of other dealers getting in front of the camera and putting somebody in front of um, a piece of equipment and talking about it. There seems to be a lot of traction in that. um, And a lot of customers like to see... um, kind of the face behind who's behind their account. Um, so I've seen a lot, I've seen a lot of dealers start doing that. Um, you know, we've started doing a little bit of it. Um, so I, you know, it just is kind of, there's kind of a, a push, I should say, to uh, get people in front of the camera and really, you know, reach those folks more than just saying, you know, having a picture of something out there or um, having a description um, of a unit, it seems like more and more people want to see that video, um, so that it's really like they're right there, you know, looking at that machine with that person. Yeah. Yeah. Telling that story, it makes such a big difference now, especially with the amount of people buying stuff off the internet, mm-hmm. you know, the more you can have that, that, that personal touch and personal feel to, to that piece of equipment, more than just a picture and a brief description is, does go a long, long ways. Aaron, you use social media a lot. To, to push equipment. So talk about your success there and what you see happening. Well, in in my case, it's it can be real hit or miss. It really can. There are times I'm reluctant to put something on there because I don't, in, in my mind, I don't think that maybe it's something that's going to spark a lot of interest and that piece might be the one that, you know, two hours later, it's sold. Um, then there's times I'll put you know, a smoking deal out there, which everybody that follows me knows I like to use that term. Um, I'll put a smoking deal out there, and I think, huh? Anybody that knows you. Well, yeah. Knows you, like, smoking deal. There you go. It's a smoking deal, folks. And uh, I, I'll throw something out there, and 
you know, it'll get like one like and and that's it. And no, but no discussion. Of course, there are, you know, it's, it's very, I, it, what I've noticed is it's not even, it's not even a season thing or a, or a, or a certain time of, you know, the month buying cycles. It is, it might be a Tuesday's better than a Wednesday or a Wednesday's better than a Friday. You know, it just, yeah. it's the most up and down cyclical thing on, on, on planet earth, but it does, it does work. I had pretty good success with it. Um, for me personally, it is, you know, I, on, on Twitter, you have, what is it? 240 characters. And to spin a yarn, if you will, about a tractor combine plant or whatever, you gotta kind of be creative, you know. Plus the Aaron Fennelisms of check this out or wow, what a deal, you know, that kind of BS that you throw yeah. out there. So And there's a there's a lot of that. that and it's hard that. to be creative instead of here, please buy this. Yeah. <laughs> Howdy. I'd like for you to buy my combine. Retweet me if you'd like to more information. Yeah. It's really shiny. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Someday, someday I will throw out the dear God, somebody please buy this thing. <laughs> we, we are tired. We are tired of looking at this. Please, please buy it. Do it today. Let's see if you can see what happens. Speaking of which, okay, so now we're gonna we're moving into plant season, right? Yep. And we've got all that greatness going on it's wet everywhere so people are delayed there's field work to be done there's you know just all kinds of stuff that they're just behind the eight ball in a lot of places what have you seen happening Aaron as far as traffic goes do you have more people looking to you have a lot of people reaching out to you talking to you about maybe getting that new tractor a new planter or some tillage tools or what what is it what do you see happening right now and where do you see the market headed Right now, there hasn't been a lot of that, um, and I think we are just last minute enough. I think we're too last minute right now as far as planter, tractor, or planter. Um, I do have guys talking on, you know, bigger horsepower for tillage, um, that kind of thing, because you can you can get a tractor in, throw it on the vertical till or the disc or the high speed or what have you, and go. Whereas a planter tractor, you know, you got 8,000 harnesses and switches and monitors and all that. So that thing, that thing gets pregnant in February and stays that way till June usually. Um, planter market, yeah, yeah, it is. The planter, the planter market has been really hot. Um, you know, I know there's been a lot of instances where something is... You know, a, a desirable planner is in inventory less than a day. So yeah. mm-hmm. that that is, and it's kind of been that way for everybody across the country, you know, as far as that goes. Um, just uh, it's kind of been that way this year. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the one the one thing we've been paying attention to, and it's really no different than any other year. Uh, we, we look at combines, and we look at, at large row crop tractors, and we really that's that's kind of the 
canary in the coal mine is going to tell you what's going on in the marketplace more than anything is. Um, right now, when you look at combines, um, it feels like to me that that is far and away they they have grown in number. They they're the number of pieces they have out on the internet has grown. Um, you're seeing inventory start to increase um and a lot of it is that 2012 13 14 model stuff that that everybody knows what it's worth and it's no big surprise there um but that that's a huge glut of machines that it's getting harder to find that buyer for those machines so you know the guy that wants to buy a 1500 separator hour combine um you know that's the guy that's got you know, he, he's trading up, but how many he's trading up hours from a twenty-five hundred hour something or whatever it might be. So, what are you seeing happen with that, Aaron? And, and where do you see? Are you seeing some traction there, or is that still something that that's a ways away from from really being solved? Do you think? I think there there's a little bit of traction there. We have a program going right now to it's a kind of a get get guys to roll out of 70s into that 12 13 14 s series combine uh and it's just a broad stamp of if you have this hours it's this trade price you know done deal it's that damn simple and that program has gotten some pretty good traction um yeah and those are typically as you said you know, those, those 12, 13, 14s that we have in that program are 1,000 to 1,600 separator hour machine. The guys rolling out of that 70 into that are two to 2,500 hour guys. So, right. or even, I, I would say most of the guys reaching out on that program are the probably 23 to 2,800 separator hours on their uh, 70 series so there's Mm -hmm. you know that there's there's that to go off of the combine market across the country is soft to say the very least um even exporting i export a lot of combines south and there's just it's it's tough you know where wherever wherever you're going with them it's pretty tough so yeah, no, um, yeah, it, and it's going to be that way for a while yet until until we get that that four fifty corn in September, and it's going to be boom. There you, you go. Get some. <laughs> All right, Gina. So if if I'm going to go out and and try to market some of these some of these combines, what's what's some what's some good avenues you think we should try on something like that? You know, I still think. Um, of course, I'm a big digital marketing advocate, so I think any time that you can send a list, um, an email list to customers or um, to target people digitally, um, you know, via one of the online um, sales marketing uh, websites. I think that is, that's huge um, because that's where you're going to get a lot of traffic, Um, you know, but if you can definitely gear up your sales guys to, uh, to push, um, on their customers that they know and exhausts all those um, avenues. And I think you just got to keep working with some of those partners out there in the industry to uh, push your lists out and try and reach new people. Um, Because, you know, as you know, we, we have, uh, you know, we have combines here and so does the dealer down the road. Um, You know, so it's not like it's just a, 
you know, it's not like it's just us. Um, so you have to get creative to find those new markets or to convince, um, some of those people to make that jump. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, you have to be super creative anymore too with mm-hmm. how you do it, you know, because it's there's a lot of uh, same old same old. You know yep. what I mean? Yeah. The same old tired thing you see over and over again. So the more creative you are, the the, the better you're going to be. So, yep. <clears throat> that's definitely uh, something we need as a we need to work on that. We need to get better and and always try to be on the the cutting edge of everything that's out there. So yeah. Okay. All right, Aaron. So real crop tractors, talk that about that for a minute. You know, obviously planters are a hot commodity. Anything used that's decent is gonna sell pretty quick just because of the fact that we sold everything we had at auction in twenty fourteen. So there's not a whole lot of used ones floating around out there. Um but the real crop tractor side of the business, um, they're starting to see a little traction there, starting to see a little bit of movement that more than we've seen in the past. So talk talk about that real crop tractor market and what you see happening there. Well, I think, I think personally, being in the thick of it every day, that it's it's been pretty strong for quite a while now. I think it was light for the first half of March, and then kind of picked up again, and and guys thinking and talking and pulling the trigger on stuff. Um, they're, you know, the the bigger half of the eight R's as far as size, you know, the 300 plus, um, seem to be in general hotter than the smaller ones, but we have sold, you know, a fair amount of the under 300s as a real, you know, it's kind of a, Hey, I need this and I need it now kind of deal for whatever reason with the under 300 guys. Um, it's been a, a quicker, more definitive, I'm looking for this. Here it is. Boom, done. Um, across the country, I think the the uh, you know in in our specific area, the 345, 370 is still king. When you get outside of our area, say Eastern Corn Belt, Central Corn Belt, there is you know more of a 295 to 320 presence than there is here and yeah. i i can't tell you why for sure other than the fact that a lot of those guys that are in that i'll even go say 270 to um 320 those guys typically have a four-wheel drive that they're doing tillage with so they don't need quite the horsepower that that we do here um and it's just, you know, it, and there are times that, you know, there might be a two-week range where size doesn't matter and they're going to buy whatever. And then there's another three weeks where everything's got to be littler, everything's got to be bigger. So across the whole range, market the market's been good. Um, under 200 is a is a big sweet spot, One, 150 to 200. Um, that's That's where a lot of triggers get pulled anymore so yeah and then if you get you know then if you get then you kind of take a leap and the honestly the the 100 to 150 mark is a little slower and then the as always you know whether Mm -hmm. whether corn is 14 dollars or you have to pay the elevator to take it 
the uh, like seventy five to a hundred is hot, always hot. Yeah. All right. So four wheel drives in real crop applications. So we're talking three point PTO on a you know four hundred plus horsepower real crop or a articulated four wheel drive tractor. Um, yeah. That seems we have more used interest in that particular model of machine than than we've had probably in the past and I mean, there's a million things that are coming into that you know one is obviously the size of grain carts has gotten bigger and that that's got to be a a driving factor in that but also the versatility of that of that machine so you have a tilts machine you've got a grain cart tractor you've got a possible planing tractor if you can if you know if you don't as you don't have something too small behind it but it's pretty versatile so talk about that a little bit and how you see that market shaping up yeah, that's that's been hot within our own area and across the whole country. Um, and I think there's there's more than just the grain part thing that contributes factor to that. The probably bigger than the grain cart. What I would call the number one thing is guys can pull twenty four zero planters with eight two ninety fives. You know, they do it all over the country. But when you pull that 24-0 planter, 8-9 mile an hour, and it has fertilizer on it, and you have fertilizer on the tractor and all this stuff, then it takes then it takes some ponies. And that, that has been a big contributing factor to the increase in um, row crop, what I call row crop foil drives. That in, and it doesn't matter if it's the, the Great Plains or the Corn Belt, there's been a big ramp up on those. On the other hand, I've also seen a big increase from the dry land wheat farmer wanting three-point PTO. And and that's really surprising, but they are, you know, they're understanding that, you know, times are tough, and if they have to punch out, that thing's worth a lot more than a standard pump bareback tractor. So. What was that? Who's that guy that was in... Uh... What was a nine RX that they put those five hundred gallon tanks on each side of four, on the, all four corners of it down? Yeah, yeah. Sterling. Sterling, that. Yep. yep. So yep. he's got what fifteen hundred gallon, two thousand gallons of fertilizer he can put through that on the rig as he pulling around the field. It's quite a bit. And like you said, that's uh, yep. <clears throat> pretty pretty heavy stuff. I mean, you're I'm, I'm going to guess that it's close to eight pounds a gallon, so um, or more. So each one of those is. What's that? Ten. Okay, so you got water is eight, fertilizer is ten. I was guessing it's going to have some water in it. So if you're at five thousand, you know it's five thousand pounds on four corners. You know it's it's a lot. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. So. Yep. All right. Well, the good thing is that's their strip killing rig. So as they're doing that, they're they're getting rid of the compaction right behind them. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Um, I, I take that back. With a nine RX, there is no compaction. There you go. Well, less, less compaction. <laughs> less is, is the term there. Now that that is one market that is the hottest and coldest that I have ever seen is RXs. There mm-hmm. are times where, man, everybody wants an RX, and if you can get a used RX somewhere. Quite a way south of four, you can sell a bunch of them. And then there's days where if you had one for 300, you can't give it away. It's, it is, it is. 
pretty wild. And I think the biggest factor in that is the fact that they're still pretty new, you know, and the two track guys are going to be two track guys. They're, they really don't have any interest in an RX. An RX is a guy who either has a quad track and goes RX or he's a wheel guy that has heard about quad tracks and wants to try the RX and, that's kind of where that market comes yep. from. I really thought, I really thought that that was going to be one of those one of those deals that very much cannibalized the the uh, two track market, but it didn't get anywhere even close to it. Made it actually right. more valuable. Than anything. Good times. All right, guys. Well, we've been going for a little bit. I feel like we've exhausted our our lack of planning here. So. Um, <laughs> so, what uh Aaron if guys want to reach out to you and see about some crazy deals you might have some some smoking deals you might have out there how would you do that smoking deal. You do that? well if you want a smoking deal um at Aaron Fintel on Twitter or call me text me whatever 308-760-1193 and Miss Nargis people want some marketing tips how'd they find you yeah so you can find me on twitter or instagram um twitter is r-r-j-a-n-o-u-s-e-k check <laughs> and um on instagram regina nargis so right on and you can find the moving iron podcast on itunes google play stitcher tune in and now we're part of the Global Ag Network, so check that out. A lot of great shows on there, like Dryland Farmer Podcast, which I was a guest host on two weeks ago. So check it out. That was a good time. And uh, you also find uh, Twitter feed, Instagram, all that fun stuff too, Facebook, all that good stuff. So check that out. So thanks for listening, guys. And uh, Aaron and Gina, been fun. We'll have to do it again sometime. Right on, brother. All right, so until next time, I'm Casey Seymour. I'm Aaron Fennell. I'm Regina Nargis. And we'll catch you on the flip-flop. Out. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast, now part of the Global Ag Network. If you'd like to continue any of these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. You can also send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com. You can also visit the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel and watch Market Roundup with Chip Nellinger, Sean Hackett, and Angie Setzer. Also, Tax Moves with Glenn Birnbaum. Please visit movingironllc.com. Here you can find information, details, and updates for the 2019 Moving Iron Summit in Nashville, Tennessee. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can leave a review and subscribe at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, and GlobalAgNetwork.com. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour, out. See you.